The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We are actually in the second week of kind of a little mini-series that we're calling Unify. And, and what we're doing is we're trying to see how our church, Summit Church, needs to grow in the next year. And, and where it came from, I'll explain it. Uh, a few months ago, I went to our staff and I said, hey, I want to know your goals for this next year. And you're going, well, it's August. This isn't a year. We really kind of function more on a school calendar than we do a physical calendar. So I said, I want to know from July 1 to July 1 of 2022 to 2023, what do you want to do? And they said, come back with what you want to do and we can make some goals. And so I I went and I prayed and I said, I think we need to be a church of prayer, a church of connection, and a church of generosity. That's what I came back with. And those are very general things, but it gave them enough to go run. And they came back with some amazing ideas. And so what we're doing here for these three weeks is we're taking a pause from the Gospel of Luke, and we are walking through those three things. And so last week, if you were with us, we talked about being a church of prayer, intercessory prayer, how important it is to be praying for others, how prayer unlocks the power of God, and it enables us to see him move through our church and not just us try to create things. So we saw that last week, and then today we're going to talk about being a church of connection, making sure that no one is alone. Post-pandemic, people learned how to be alone. People learned to live on their own islands, and that is incredibly scary to me because we were not created to live on islands but we were told to. And so how do we come out of that? A church of connection, and then next week we'll see a church of generosity, and and I just want to prepare you, it's not a money talk. It's not a money talk next week, but generosity is something that I want to see us grow in so that we can fulfill our vision and mission, and that is to make disciples for the glory of God. That's been our vision and mission for 13 years. That's what we were planted here to do. Make disciples for the glory of God. And I know with everything in me that if we grow in these three areas over the next year, we will be better prepared to fulfill that mission. So that's where we're at. And today we're looking at a church of connection. And I know that this is important I know it's so vital. Why? Because walking alone is dangerous. Because the most independent person listening to this today, you're like, I don't need anybody. The most independent person will need someone to wrap their arms around them at some point. Your life is going to get hard at some point. And you will need someone to come and just wrap their arms around you. Today, I want to look specifically at four things from Acts chapter 2 that we should be doing regularly with other people, okay, to be healthy. I think it'd be wise for us to assess if these things are present in our life and in our relationships. So, So that's where we're going, talking about connection, talking about being available to others and allowing others to be available to you. 
That's, that's where we're going. I just want you to be prepared as we dive in. Because in Acts chapter 2, we see four characteristics of connection. Starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. If you're following along in a Bible, you see all four of them right there. But I want to highlight the very first word, they. They're doing this as a group, a tribe. They did life together. They were there for each other. This is very important. These were individuals and families, okay? Individuals, didn't have anyone else. Families who were coming to be part of this. They were unified by Jesus and his new command to go and disciple the whole world, to to go and reach the whole world. They were unified by that, but they were with each other all the time. The wisest person that has ever lived, according to the Bible, is a man named Solomon. He wrote a few books in the Old Testament, and in Ecclesiastes, one of the books that he wrote, he wrote about the importance of not being alone. The wisest man in the world that's ever lived said this, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one. We all know that. Because they have a good return for their labor. You're going to get more out of two people working than just one. Verse 10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Your buddy goes down, you help him up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. That is not supposed to be sensual in any way. That's just truth. If you are cold and freezing, another person there will help you not freeze to death. But how can one keep warm? Verse 12, though one may be overpowered when something comes and presents itself in front of them, when an attack comes, one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands, that's not quickly broken. We were created created to do life together, to be with other people. And I'm going to show you this as we walk through Acts 2, 42 through 47. As we walk through it, I'm going to show you how imperative it is that we don't stay on our island, that we allow other people into our lives. We were never created to be alone. The first thing, the first characteristic of allowing people into your life is there needs to be a devotion to a central message. So this particular group of people that was meeting in Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Today, we would call that group of people Christians. Okay? They weren't called that yet in Acts chapter 2, but we would call them Christians. And I know Christians has this broad meaning, and for some it's a negative term even, but that's who they would be called, people who were subject to the Lord, who desired to follow Jesus. That's who they would be. Now, do you have people in your life, in your life, who have the same Christian values that you do? And now I'm assuming that you have Christian values because you're you're, you're sitting here, you're watching this. I'm assuming that. But do you have people in your life that are speaking into you that have those same values? 
that believe that truth is found in the word of God and will help you align your life with that word? Do you have people that you're willing to learn from and who are willing to learn from you? Where there's a mutual respect and a destination as to where you're trying to go. Do you have that kind of community in your life? We all need people who will lift us up, push us forward, help us grow in our relationship with God and our knowledge of God. We can't do this effectively on our own. We need help. Do you have that? Can you think of one person right now in your life that you encounter on a regular basis that pushes you towards God, that is there to help you process through questions and concerns that you might have? Doing that all alone, doing that on an island, it gets really scary. Do you have people in your life that do that? The second characteristic is fellowship. That's a very, very profound Greek word. It's called koinia. And you you may have even heard that term. There's a lot of ministries out there called koinia. It, It simply means this. The share which one has in anything. Participation. So when we see the word fellowship, I want you to understand what it's actually saying. It's your piece of the pie given to others. It's what you're sharing with others and participating in. How much of your life do you give to others? How much do you allow them in to your life? Koinonia is an interesting phrase because it means a sharing of life. A sharing of life. Do you have this? Do you participate in this? Do you share your life with anyone? Or do you kind of just place a a barrier right here that says, I will give you proper respect. I will speak to you. I will show up to the meetings I'm supposed to be at. I will engage in the activities I'm supposed to engage in but you're not ever going to get into here. You're not going to get to life with me. I'll I'll be around you, but I'm not going to share my life with you. And we struggle, church. We struggle because we're always around people all the time. All the time we're around people, but we don't do life together. We're on islands We're separated, and I want to be a church of connection where that separation is brought closer together. We don't do life with people. We don't share in the good, the bad, the ugly, the joyous, the godly, the sin. We we don't share in that. We want to keep that all to ourselves. We carry the burdens of life alone, and it can get very, very heavy. That's why Paul says in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. What What a joyous thought, right? That you would have someone in your life that would help you carry your burdens. 
that wouldn't just turn their nose up and go, that's your deal, man. I'm not, I'm not playing that game. Come on. But someone who would step in and carry your burdens with them. And he says this at the end of verse 2. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love God and love your neighbor. That's how Jesus summarized it. And so that's what this is saying. You fulfill that law by helping someone carry their burdens. And, and I know none of us listening to this today are super excited about stepping into someone's mess and being like, all right, I've already got my own mess. Like, throw it on. I, I'll, I'll carry more. But that's what Jesus says. He goes, you're going to carry their burden with them, and that will help them. And by doing so, you will fulfill the law of Christ. This idea of not going it alone is so vital to even the design of humanity that God created. In Genesis' account of the creation, Genesis 1, God made everything that we see. On the sixth day, he made man. And at the end of that day, he looked and he said, everything is good, very good. And then in Genesis 2, we find God not being wrong, but he goes, ah, Adam is alone. Huh. He's perfectly created in my image, but he's lonely. He's having to do this by himself. I need to fix that. And so he creates Eve, the companion, a partner, a helper. Because we all need a companion, a partner, and a helper from time to time. We all need that. Fellowship is incredibly important. But then there's a third characteristic that we see in that first verse in Acts. The breaking of bread. Now, in the first century, table fellowship was very interesting. If you ate with someone, that meant you accepted them just the way they were. And so that's very important to understand. It, they were coming together to break bread together, meaning to eat together, meaning that they accepted one another. They were doing this on a regular basis. So anyone was welcome to come in and eat. That was a brand new concept in the first century. You were very guarded as to who could come and eat at your table because that meant that you accepted them. Oh, that, that person can't come eat because I, I, I do not appreciate their lifestyle, their thoughts, their views, their whatever. But yet they were eating together. They were fellowshipping together. I want to ask you, who, who is at your table? Who's at your table? Who accepts you just the way you are? Do you eat alone, literally or metaphorically? Do, do you isolate intentionally? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and I want to say before I even read it that I understand this is talking probably more about worship gatherings, but as I look at it, I think it's just talking about life. It says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's, 
That's life. Let us consider how we can push each other on towards God, towards good. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Oh my goodness, this was written 2,000 years ago and now it's so true. Some are in the habit of just not meeting with anyone because our world has said you're, you, you can. You, you can just isolate and that's okay. But instead, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. For me, this is just personal. The reason we don't connect with people as often as I would like to, as often as we should, is simply because of schedule. That's the hardest part. So we need to find unique ways to connect with people. Go to dinner after the ball game. And I know you want to get home. But how else am I going to get to know that person? Use your lunch. You get a lunch break. I mean, most of you do. Utilize that to connect with others. Early morning breakfast, late night breakfast. Late night breakfast. I, when I first started youth ministry, every Wednesday night, we took our youth leaders to IHOP in Norman. And we sat there till well after midnight. You can eat breakfast <laughs> late at night. The idea that we don't have time for people is one of the greatest lies of the enemy. We all get 24 hours a day. Utilize them. If connecting with people at this period of time, the the most convenient for you isn't going to work, then find another way. Because we're not meant to live on islands. The fourth characteristic is to pray with one another. And we talked about that last week, the power of intercessory prayer. So I, I just asked one question, then I'm going to move on, because we, we spent a whole week on this. But like, who is praying for you? Who do you have in your life that's praying for you? That knows you well enough, that you're comfortable enough with, that you can say, please be praying for this. Who do you have in your life? Here's what's amazing about what happens next in Acts chapter 2. When a bunch of people choose to do life together, when they make that choice that they're not going to be selfish, that they're not going to be on islands, that they actually want to live and do life together, when that happens, there's a result that comes from that. And the next verse shares with us exactly what happens when people from the church, Christians, choose to live life together. Here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Everyone, everyone who was gathered together, the they from verse 42, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They all came together. They all joined up with the apostles They all were sitting there under the teaching. They were breaking bread together. They were fellowshipping. They were praying together. And then prayer unlocked the power of God. And you know what they saw? Awesomeness. Amazing things. The power of God unleashed in Jerusalem. They saw that and they went, wow, we are now a part 
together of something huge. And we want to continue to be a part of something huge. They saw that. They felt it. They experienced it. And they experienced it together. And church, I want you to know that it is not unlikely if we come together and become a church of connection where we're not doing this alone and we start to pray for big things and we start to move in great ways that we would see the breaking down of strongholds, the reaching of campuses, both of our campuses, Oklahoma City and Norman, are right by universities. We would see campuses reached. We would see communities changed. We would see the feeding and clothing and loving of those who are most in need. We would see that with our own eyes if we just came together and realized that no one is meant to do this alone. You're not supposed to figure this out all on your own. We do it all together. We share the joy of ministry with a team. And then in doing so, we reap the benefit of being known, being connected. We just had a missions team come back from Honduras. It's amazing to me. The 20 people who went, they are all now best friends. Most of them were strangers when they went on the trip. That's what happens when you go and you serve and you do together. You become connected and you understand what God is trying to call us to do. And yet we want to live this life isolated. I need to be able to do me and just kind of keep my stuff separate from church stuff. It's, you've got one life. You've got one chance. Why would you want to do it alone when instead you can link arms with many and change the world? When you see God moving through a group, then this next thing happens, okay? Verses 44 through 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They gave freely, freely to meet the needs of everyone. They were not communists. This wasn't governed by central intelligence to everyone has to sell everything they have and give it to... No, this was just helping and loving people taking care of people became a group effort. And I don't know about you, but I feel burdened when, I'm, when I look at the whole of the need of humanity. I'm like, I can't, I can't fix that. But you know what can fix that? The church. I become so burdened by the grandeur of the need, but when we come together, it's a group effort. No one has to be left to fend for themselves. When there was a need, someone was there to put their arm around them. And I hope, I hope that you never find yourself in a financial crisis. But I want to ask you this. How much easier would it be to go ask for help when you were in need from people that you've already been doing life with versus going to ask for help from complete strangers. And I can tell you as a church who we meet people in those needs all the time, 
one of the factors is, do we know you? If you're part of this church, we will walk with you. It's not saying we ignore everyone else, but we'll walk with you if we know you. Remember what Solomon said, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Once again, I hope none of you ever experienced that. But if you did and had people, they're right there to help you up. Acts 2, 46 and 47 shows us the result of all of this community. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They just gathered together to pray, to worship, to, to do life, okay? The temple courts were not just a church service. That, that was the center of the town. It's where they went to the grocery store. They just gathered together to do life. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They wanted to worship together. Have you ever felt like you were in a church service with hundreds of people and you were all alone because you didn't know any of them? I, I felt that. And it's not that you can't worship God in that, but th there's this comfort and there's this peace of looking around going, these are my people. Like, I, I know them. They came together, they worshiped, and then the result of living life like this, living life together, was that others wanted to be a part of that. Others wanted to know Jesus. Others wanted to know, what is this unifying factor? You're, you're from a different walk of life than this person, but yet you guys are friends. How in the world did that happen? And, and you go, well, it's, just, it's Jesus. We, we go to church together. We're, we're on the same team. Jesus breaks down a lot of barriers. And then someone goes, wow, so I, I don't have to like show up looking a certain way. No, just come be part of this community. Come be part of what we're doing. Come connect with us. I want to be a church of connection. I want that so badly. I want to be a place where people are known, where they don't feel like they have to walk in alone where they know someone has their back. And that's probably as good a test as any. Who has your back? Who's going to be there when it all falls apart? A church of connection is a church that is connecting people together. And, and we can do that. We can, okay? I can't make you be best friends. I can't do that. But I can offer you ways to be known, okay? I can do that. I, I can offer you ways to be known, and then you see what happens. But you're not going to like my next statement. The best way for me to do that, the best way for me to connect you is to ask you to serve. And that's not manipulation. Here's why. Here's why. When you sweat with someone, when you pray together with someone, when you stretch your comfort zone together with someone, when you grow the kingdom together, there's not a much quicker way for you to become united with that person. Service is the best way to be known. So there, there's no manipulation there. That's just the best thing I have to offer. If you want to be connected to this church, the best thing I have to offer is for you to serve. 
for you to greet at a door with four other people that you'll get to know who they are, for you to serve in a classroom where there's three other people, you'll get to know who they are. That's the best thing I have to offer you. Now, we also have a Connect card, okay? We have a Connect card, and online you can go and click at the top right-hand corner of our website, and it says, contact us, put your name in there, I want to be known, we, we, someone will reach out to you. Best thing we can do to help you there is let you fill that out, and then someone from our staff will at least know who you are. But ultimately, ultimately, doing life with people requires you to get off your island. And for some, you're on an island unintentionally. You don't want to be on that island. You desire more than anything for people to come to your island and inhabit it. But others have become very comfortable there. Isolated, separate, doing your own thing. I wish I could tell you I had a mechanism to make sure every person who is watching this or coming to our church could be connected, but I can't. It takes effort. It takes effort on your part. And my greatest prayer for today, my greatest prayer for this message is that you would see your need for others. You would understand the desire and the why behind connection and that you would want to be known. You would want to be known for two reasons. One, so that if someone you know is hurting, you know them well enough to go and wrap your arm around them. Or for the season when you're hurting, someone will come wrap their arm around you. But that requires you being willing to press in, step off your island, and connect. So I'm going to close today by praying that you will understand your need for others and that you'll choose to step in. Father, help us to see that we were never designed to be alone. We're most impactful when we're together and help those who feel lost and hurt and abandoned, help them, Jesus, help them find people who will love, support, and encourage them, just as you do. We desire for every person in our church to be known, and that's a big ask. But Jesus, you desire the same thing. So come and move in and through us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.